Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold, and last week we did a special holiday edition, which was great. We had six people on the line at the same time. It was interesting, fast-paced, and humorous. That's a high standard for us this week. This week we're going to talk about the best and the worst and the strangest of 2020. I know we're already get done with 2020, and my co-hosts today are Ernest Watts from Rockingham, North Carolina, and David Arnold from Tecumseh, Michigan. All right, guys, we are about to get started on 2021, but it's time to look back, get a little sentimental, laugh a little bit. And so I'm teed it up for these guys. And before we get started, I want to ask you guys, can you guess how much money the NFL lost this year in potential revenue? Take a guess, Ernest. Can I do my Dr. Evil? Five billion? I'll say two. I'll say a billion dollars. It's actually $2 billion. David, NBA, oh, M- how much do you think they lost in potential income this year? I was going to say like $300 million, but uh, I'm going to say $750 million. Uh, you would be wrong there, basketball breath. It's $1.5 billion. And the NHL also lost a billion dollars in potential revenue, which is a little misleading because they're saying – we could have had this much more money, but then again, we didn't have the expenses that go along with that. So that's going to lead to a lot of union negotiations this year. But let's think about the best first. Ernest Watts, what is the best thing about football, NFL, this last year? I think the Alex Smith story. Here's a guy who went through multiple operations on his leg, who was really, they were considering amputating his leg. Uh you know, he was former number one draft pick. He's on his third team, and he's able to to you know lead a team. Been injured again, but got him in playoff contention. Now, again, it's the NFC East, least excuse me, <laughs> the least of the where east. the least of the East. You know, the East is the least. Whereas you know, five wins can potentially get you in the playoffs. But, I, you know, we all like a redemption story. And here's a guy who got drummed out of the 49ers after he took them mm-hmm. to the NFC Championship game uh, against the Saints. Uh, went to Kansas City, got them to be a playoff team. Got drummed out for the Wonder King, uh, Mahomes. And that was, you know, to a very real extent, was going to be left crippled for the rest of his life. It's It's an uplifting story. I mean, there's a lot about... Mahomes and and the year Mm -hmm. that Green Bay is having and a lot of teams. But I think individually Alex Smith. So I'm keeping short and sweet there. Would Joe Theismann make the same comeback if it happened to him with as much medical technology as we have today? You know, we compare the two, both playing for the Redskins, both have that horrible break of their leg, and Smith makes it back, Theismann not so much. Eisman's injury really wasn't as severe as Smith's because Smith got a staph infection, whereas Theismann didn't. I think Theismann's age had a lot to do with that. He was seven years older than Smith, and he had Kathy Rigby to go. Not Kathy Rigby. What was the, the, that's incredible. What was her name? Kathy Lee Howard? Was that her name? What was her name? She, he, had a, he had a Hollywood, well, B actress to go home to, so he had a lot of the factors. Okay. But, all right, David. Well, I put my name for the past there. I know. I, like, I couldn't grab that name. <laughs> David, your best NFL for this last year. I have to say, for me, the Cleveland Browns winning 10 games in a season 
Um, I think it's pretty unbelievable story. Them and the Bills as well. Um, two of the three Lake Erie uh, misery teams. Uh, but really watching the Browns just actually live up to the hype that they were supposed to live up to in 2019. And largely without Odell Beckham Jr. Um, really the Cleveland Browns just being the feel-good story out of nowhere. Um, I, it's pretty unbelievable they've won 10 games this season and uh, potentially going to the playoffs. I, I think slightly overlooked story this year. Uh, so, so for me, just seeing Baker, everything come together with Baker Mayfield, the defense is pretty darn good this year. Um, that's, that's my story, my, my best story. And you're not influenced by your Cleveland friends or going to school in Ohio at all, right? It, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> I, but, but I will say, you know, being a Lions fan and being a Detroit uh, person, I, I have a soft spot for the Browns only because we're not division rivals like in every other sport. Uh, but, but we share the same misery. Uh, <laughs> so so being, watching them thrive gives me a little bit of hope. For one day, when my kids are in their fifties, uh, the Lions might actually do something. What about you, Dad? What's what's your well? My best, best for NFL story? is also my worst, and it's sort of strange too. It's got all three categories, and that's the team known as the Washington Football Club. I mean, it started off the year the worst because they had to figure out a new name, and at first I thought the Washington Football Club was a lame name, but I sort of like it now. It sounds sort of European. It sounds sort of cool. Then Ron Rivera coming in is definitely an up. Quality guy, beating cancer, paid his dues for the Bears when he was playing linebacker, uh, played under Dicka. I mean, quality guy, up and down, had a good run at Carolina, and then left with his head held high, I thought, pretty well. But then the down of uh, their quarterback Haskins just imploding uh, so publicly. Um, you have it all there. Now you have their majority owner saying he's being blackmailed by a minority owner to change things. It's just that is that is the best story I think in football actually twenty twenty <laughs> right there. Washington wow. Football Club all together is almost as dramatic as the rest of Washington D.C., but not quite. So it's just a strange thing. I sort of wish they keep the Washington Football Club and come up with a new logo, and I'm wishing the best for Ron Rivera. And if Alex Smith hadn't gotten hurt, I think at least they would have made the playoffs. Right now it's iffy at best. So, Ernest, what is your worst or strange for the NFL? Well, if you're going to mention Washington, you got to talk about Chase Young, who will be defensive rookie of the year, oh, number two sweet. pick. Man, he's I great. mean, he's, 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 again, he's just that whole front defensive line, which are all number one picks. It, it is true the Redskins are a microorganism of 2020. I mean, the good, the bad, the strange, and everything. But the worst is easy. I mean, it's, it's Belichick. I mean, <laughs> if you looked at all the previews at the beginning of the season, uh, well, Belichick will get him in the playoffs. Belichick will get him in the playoffs. And and you look, you've got five starters on defense that decided to set out the season. And this team is just horrendous. I mean, we're seeing the end of Cam Newton's career you see Edelman get injured. They have no tight ends. I mean, it's the team is imploding. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess it's great for New England fans. They don't have to sit there and watch this. You can just imagine they'll be revolting in the stands. But it's it's the humbling of Belichick. I think that's that's the worst of the season. Mm -hmm. You know, you could throw Cowboys in there, but the Cowboys are traditionally bad, so you can't. Or the you could set the NFL least again, that whole division. 
but we've had divisions where everybody finished under 500 before. We've not seen possibly the greatest coach of all time have a season like this. What's that German word where you root against your... Schadenfreude. Well, when the Bills beat the Patriots, you could feel that. The whole country saying, okay, Patriots, you're going to get a little humbling here. Did you enjoy that uh, game, David? Uh, a Belgian? I, I'm kind of a Patriots fan. I mean, I don't hate the Patriots. So uh, it, it, it was amusing, though, I will say that. Pretty unbelievable. Just the way, the way Cam's season has kind of gone down the toilet. Um, yeah. It's just all wild. It's just all wild that that's happening the way it is. But of course, so many players for the Patriots opted out before the season started. Mm-hmm. So I I can't quite get on the Belichick hate train uh, so quickly just because of how behind the eight ball they've been all season. Mm-hmm. David, do you have a worst or strange for the NFL? Yeah, the Cleveland Browns. Hey, wait a uh, second. You just said the best. Of the well, let, let me paint this picture here. Ten wins. Ten wins for the Cleveland Browns. Potential playoffs. Two weeks ago, they they notched their tenth win. They had a ninety nine percent chance of making the playoffs. Then they started Brownsing. Right? They lose. Uh, speaking of Brownsing, uh, they lose to the Baltimore Ravens when Lamar Jackson has his uh, quote unquote cramps in a crazy nighttime national television game. Lamar Jackson comes in at the last minute after Brownsing in the locker room. I think you want to um, dump then, something Brown in the middle of that yeah, game. Best game of the year. Best game of the year. Yes, best game of the year, but the Browns lost it. It's okay. They still have a 90% chance of making the playoffs. All they have to do <laughs> is beat the lowly New York Jets, who are trying to lose, trying to take the number one draft pick. And what happens? They lay an egg, and the New York Jets accidentally beat them. And I'm pretty sure accidentally is what happened, right? They accidentally beat the New York Jets. All the Jets fans are mad. All the Browns fans are angry. So what's happening now? They have to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers the last week of the season to make the playoffs. Well, good news. The Pittsburgh Steelers are down their quarterback. Who are they going to start? Mason Rudolph. Flashback to last year, what happened with Mason Rudolph? He said some ugly things. Miles Garrett. Allegedly, allegedly. You're an you're, you're attorney to be. You should remember that. No evidence that he actually said those words. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to let him off. Um, I, he's an OAN uh, fan with Oklahoma State. Questionable background. He's so, a putt. So he's a putt. Um, but not a racist. You can be a putt, uh, not a racist. He went to Oklahoma State. So we'll, we'll hold that line up. Um, I didn't say he was, but I just. Saying that. Anyways, that whole thing happened. So they should be set up to make the playoffs to beat the Steelers. The Steelers using their backup quarterback. 10 win season for the first time in forever. However, the Browns need to make the playoffs, right? It's about to happen. They have a COVID outbreak right now. This past week, they were down all of their starting wide receivers. This week, the outbreak is worse. There is a potential chance the Browns might be down a third of their roster. Why don't they delay right? the game? They delayed the Baltimore game and Steeler game like practically a week. Well, that's why it's the worst story of 2020, Dad, because the Browns are about to win 10 games this year, lose to the New York Jets, lose to the Baltimore Ravens, and then lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers and miss the playoffs after winning 10 games. Uh, so it is the best story and also the most epic Cleveland Browns story of 2020. So they are my best and worst. I got one similar to you, David. The Indianapolis Colts could win 11 games 
and miss the playoffs because they're the only team to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars all year long. <laughs> Yikes. That is tough. It's such a weird year with, like you said, the NFC East being so horrible and these teams. It used to be with playoffs, you could slip in maybe with uh, one game over 500, but not Well, this it's year. even worse with the, with the extra playoff slot this year. So, yep, that, that's what it is. Um, also, Aaron Rodgers having the best year of his career is a worst of 2020. Can we just <laughs> throw that out there? Because you hate uh, him, completing, Why do completing you hate Completing 70% him? of his passes. What are you doing, Aaron Rodgers? Why are you so good? This is, this is not acceptable. Jordan Love. It's, You're it's ruining my hot take. of Jordan Love. That's it. Jordan Love <laughs> gets drafted, and he has an MVP season. No, no, I think he heard my podcast for the past year. No, it's the State Farm sure. discount. The new uh, State Farm guy is giving him a inside he, information. He's, he's tired of Mahomes being on just as many State Farm commercials <laughs> as he is. So it, 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 might, it might be, it might be twenty twenty one, but he'll choke in the playoffs. It's all right. We know it's oh, going to happen. Oh, but they're going to get home field advantage. So I think the, you know, the Packers may have a run, and their defense seems to be. Getting better well, as the year goes on, so I don't. Here's a quick question: If there's if there's no snow at Lambeau Field and no crowd, is it really a home field advantage? It's cold. Well, there could be snow. It could be cold. Um, I think home field advantage is something to keep an eye on this year. Uh, Lambeau Field is maybe the one place that that will have an actual, um, be an actual difference maker in. But, but other than that, what kind of impact is it going to have in NFL and the NBA, et cetera, et cetera? conversation for another day but something i think about all right we'll move on since we're going to try to cover the major sports and nfl we'll be talking about that for the next month easily and it's always the best and i guess i'll stop here and say you know at one point we weren't sure what we were going to get and we sure have gotten a lot of nfl to talk about the next sport we're going to talk about is we're going to do strange we're going to do strange real fast oh yeah i I I thought you gave me a worst or strange but give me a strange well well there's Two real quick ones. First of all, this is the only season in which there'll be a game on every day of the week. Love that Wednesday afternoon football. All Isn't my that good? That's not strange. Tonight. That's good. That's good. The it's strange good part, well, well, that particular game, and I keep we keep going back to the Washington football team, but Alex Smith was setting up for a go-ahead field goal and took the football off the field and hit it on the sidelines, stopping the clock which the officials call it timeout, administrative timeout <laughs> because they didn't have a football to kick and be Washington didn't have any timeouts. So because they stopped the clock, they were able to get the field goal team out there and kick the field goal and stop the Steelers undefeated season. That's, that's called genius. <laughs> yeah. Is that good or bad, Ernest? I sort of like oh, that. What's well, strange? strange. Brady deflated the balls. We all said horrible, oh, but when Alex Smith hides the ball, we say good. Well, we like him more than we like Brady. It's a better story. It's yeah. It's it's likability it, means a lot. We hate to admit it, but it's it's just like attractive people. Go right, Dad. Do, do you have a do you have a strange for the? No, NFL? no. My strange and worst was all with the Washington Football Club. But I'm just thinking, Ernest. You're our great knowledge of all things sports. Has any other player hit the football like that? Like Alex Smith? Did he had a any story he knew how to do that, or he just thought it up on oh, the no. fly? He just thought it himself. No one has ever done that before. Usually, what you have is what's called K ball, which is a kicking football. And usually they have that prepared on the sidelines. But to do that, the officials have to take the regular football off the field, take it to the sidelines. Kicking footballs are brand new. They're right out of the box. Because in the old days, 
teams used to manipulate the football, the kicking football. They would mm-hmm. take it, they would sit on it, they would make it more oval shaped and, and a little bit more spongier, able to get more coefficiency and the ball go further when the punter kicks or the place kicker kicks. Well, they took that out when it was the K ball in the 80s. But to bring the K ball out, part of the process is you have to take the regular football off the field. They couldn't find the regular football, so they delayed. The clock was running. They stopped the clock. That gave Washington the opportunity to come on the field. This no one's like, ever done that. But now they've passed the rule since right? then. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, the, the Alex Smith rule has been passed. <laughs> so now you're reminding me of the old-fashioned play we used to do as kids when we played football, is that we'd have the old-fashioned hide the football underneath somebody's jersey and do, and all of a sudden he's running around the corner, and he brings it out, and he's running down the field for a touchdown. Did you ever see that? You know where that came from? You know where that came from? Oh, Three Stooges. No, the Michigan football team in the 1900s sewed a football on the front of their jersey. They didn't have numbers back then. So all the players had a football, a brown oval shape on the front of their jersey. (laughs) Uh, It was a logo, and they would put their hands around it, and they didn't pass the ball back then. It was essentially a running game. So that created confusion because the defense couldn't tell who had the ball. The ball (laughs) was oval shaped. The lights, it was hard to see. And so they would break out of the huddle and, you know, four guys in the backfield going four different directions and defense didn't know who to cover. So that goes back as far back as 1902, I believe. Uh-huh. So NFL may be as big as cheaters as as baseball players is what you're saying. I have to establish for Nate and Chris, I didn't attend that game in 1902. (laughs) Okay, let's get that on the table already. All right. There we go for the NFL. A little extra insight there. Let's go to the National Basketball Association. Um, It was a strange year with the bubble, and some players did well, sold coffee, made a little extra bucks that way. Some people didn't do so well and cheated and got out of the bubble. Um, But it was not a strange result. The L.A. Lakers won it all, and in a year, unfortunately, when Kobe Bryant died, I'm sure these guys probably have that on part of their worst list, um, it was really uh, a poignant moment when the Lakers won, and um, I think that's probably the biggest sports loss all year long, just the unexpected nature of Kobe dying and all the things that were done to honor him. And um, Anyway, so, David, what's your best about the NBA this year? Uh, my best story is Duncan Robinson, <laughs> university <laughs> graduate, um, coming out with statistically the best three-point shooting season of all time from anyone ever. Uh, there, there's some advanced metrics with three-point shooting. Um, best uh, stand-up three-point shoot shots uh, seasons of all time. Best percentage, uh, field goal percentage from stand-up three-point shots. Um, the list, the whole top, the entire top ten list is Steph Curry and Clay Thompson from 2015 to 2019. The entire top 10 best seasons of all time for effective three-point shots, um, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. <clears throat> Somehow, Duncan Robinson, who's playing in Sioux Falls, um, Dakota, whichever Dakota it's in, uh, is Sioux Falls in South Dakota? North Dakota. Yes. South Dakota. Uh, he was stuck in the, in the G League playing for the Sioux Falls G League team uh, two years ago, got called up the year before last year, started w- one game with Miami Heat, entered 2019-20, uh, just as a no-name 
white kid uh, from known the University of Michigan, ends up surpassing the statistics of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson for the best effective three-point shooting percentage of all time, of all time, Duncan Robinson, best three-point shooter in the NBA, best three-point shooter in NBA history, going to get paid over $100 million in his next contract. So that kind of story makes him the best story. Wow. Yeah, we are a little biased there. We saw Duncan Robinson come to Michigan from a D3 school and he had such a good-looking shot. You knew sooner or later it was just going to really pay off, but I didn't think it would pay off this Of well. course, there, there was that statistic at the University of Michigan when he played for the team that it was something like if he, if he scored over five points, if he scored more than five points, uh, the University of Michigan was undefeated during his career. Yeah. As long as he scored more than five points, they went undefeated every single game. Um, but he didn't always do that at the University of Michigan. So, <laughs> Yeah. All right, Ernest, your best of the NBA. By the way, it's the Sioux Falls Sky Force, and it's sad that I actually know that. Sky Force? <laughs> Sky Force, yeah. Did our president uh, start that too? No, that was actually, it actually goes back to the old Continental Basketball Association back in the 80s. Mm. They're the oldest minor league continuing franchise of all the G League teams. Sad that I know that also. Do you knew that without looking up? Yes, I knew that. That's sad. Ernest, Ernest, wow. Thanks to the uh, the bubble, I, I found out, uh, to, and again, special thanks to Lou Williams of the Los Angeles Clippers, that I know now that Magic City in Atlanta has the best French fries around. No, it's the <laughs> Lakers. It's the Lakers. And, and again, the Lakers, and of course that means one of the great ones has gotten the championship again, and that's, of course, um, Mr. Howard. Uh, it's nice to know that he got it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Rick also no, 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 no. It's, it's, guest of Magic City. Though. Yeah, it's LeBron. It's LeBron and his march towards uh, a legitimate argument that he is the greatest of all time. He's not yet. He's got two more championships to get, but it's it's the Lakers. I'll make it short. Spoken like a true Tar Heel yeah, there. Yes, yeah. yes. Rick right. Fox got another championship, so there we go. All right, Ernest, double up now. Give me a worst and a strange. Worst and the strange? Uh, okay, the worst is, is, is Kobe. Yeah. He's one of those rare individuals that actually became a better human being after, after he walked away from the game. And, and the loss of his daughter. Yeah. And the strangest is Rudy Gobert. Uh, when we were just finding out about COVID, uh, going out and touching all the microphones of all the media. You can't touch those Frenchmen, City. man. Yes, I was going to say. And making sport of something and then testing positive 24 hours later. And Donovan Mitchell testing positive immediately. Yeah, yes, and then there's a rift between those two. But it was sweet justice. That, that was just, you know, that was strange but sweet justice. Mm. David, you're, you're, you're worst and you're sad. Well, I want to hear my dad's best. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, NBA, I think the best thing was that it made the NBA really innovative. I think by using those fan uh, boards and um, I think the players seemed more dialed into each game without playing to the fans a little bit. I actually enjoyed the way they did the bubble. I thought it was innovative and it had me interested. And um, so I think I give the NBA and their commissioner a plus. I think they handled some of the changes of COVID as well as anybody did. And I really don't have a strange. 
with the, the social awareness, you have to throw the social awareness in there also. Yeah, definitely. Yes, because you know, in May and June, our country was torn apart by all the protests and this the injustice that we could see on TV. Uh, seeing a man die and the way they responded, I thought was appropriate and respectful. And um, so, yeah, I give them a plus for that as well. Also, talking about the bubble, the Phoenix Suns going eight and zero to end their season in the bubble, uh, pretty much supposedly directly correlated with the fact that their entire team was twenty five and under and didn't have the Phoenix uh, nightlife to to go to after each game. So supposedly that had a direct impact on their success on the court, mm-hmm. which I'm sure Chris Paul is also helping out with this season. Mm-hmm. Um, just the professionalism. The, they needed that structure. It was almost like a college atmosphere, a strict college atmosphere uh, for them. Which and, is, and Dockage and Murray and Booker always, you know, taking very positive steps forward, particularly Dockage, and and being the new fleet of stars. I think it's Jamal Murray. I mean, Jamal Murray, also Damian Lillard, my personal favorite NBA player. Um, but Lillard's been there. I mean, Murray went from averaging 16 to averaging 24 in the playoffs. Okay, and exactly. Booker, what he was able to do with the Suns. I mean, again, you talked about them going undefeated. I mean, these are the young talents that I think went from being just stars to the, the limit of being superstars. Without a doubt. I, I mean, the bubble was a major success. I, I totally agree. Uh, for for my worst of the NBA in 2020, it, it has to be James Harden, um, big boy James Harden, who who came back after requesting a trade. Um, pretty overweight. Some of us well, have added I mean, a little bit during COVID. I mean, if you made me six foot four, uh, I would look the same as what fat James Harden looks like. Um, <laughs> But just the way he's handled everything, go, going out to the clubs, going out to four clubs and three nights before um, reporting to the Rockets. After reporting to the Rockets a week and a half late in the training camp, so they had to also hold him out for an extra six days because of COVID quarantining. Um, and then going out to a club or going out to support his his lady friend from the club, uh, her event that she had, that supposedly not a strip club event. Um, after the season had already started, you know, this past week, uh, and basically the NBA being like, no, man, you can't play. Next time you do this, it's going to be worse. Just the way he's handled everything is just the antithesis of what LeBron James has done as a professional. And it just kind of highlights for me just how amazingly professional people like LeBron James are and how you think he's 18 years into his NBA career, taking his body as seriously as he takes it, taking his job as seriously as he takes it, you know, still being with his high school sweetheart, um, you know, building the school in in Akron, Ohio for kids, for underprivileged kids, uh, just doing everything that he does. The, The stuff that James Harden is doing right now for me highlights just how much unnecessary grief we've given LeBron James over the past two decades, two decades, you know, making the NBA Finals nine times in ten years, uh, while still just being a, a stand-up citizen. Um, so I guess taking the worst and also thinking about the best with with that whole situation. Um, and you left out one thing about Harden. He turned down a one hundred million dollar two-year extension. He was going to be the first fifty million dollar athlete. 
Uh, he still will be, yeah. despite his. his well, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of questioned because uh, I hear the Nets don't want him. The Heat does not want. Where's he going to go? I well, don't know anybody. As a, well, as who's a gonna let him be that ball dominant. The Charlotte Hornets. I'm so sorry, Ernest. No, I'm so Hornets sorry. Don't take him. We wouldn't take. We didn't take Westbrook. We're not going to take him. Uh, I don't. I don't think it was because of the Charlotte Hornets that Westbrook didn't end up in Charlotte. But yes, I don't think for a trade yeah, on, on the open market he'll still get without the max he can possibly get. Anyways, Dad, Dad do you have any strange well, or anything? Yeah, that? well, the NBA pays off like no other league when you reach that rarefied air, right? I mean, like there's so few, you know, top maybe 15 players, NBA, make so much money, but it's so hard to get there versus like you talk about football where the numbers are greater and it's spread out a little bit more. But I think the NBA, because when you get to that rarefied air, I think it affects these guys' egos and they're all the people around them telling what they need to do or not to do. Um, that we see this bad behavior um, in different, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, Durant. I mean, you see that bad behavior, or just at least a little selfish, at least, uh, and it comes off looking bad. And I do agree, LeBron has had his moments, but if you look over his whole career. Wow, I mean, he's had an amazing, amazing career. He may not be as physically dominant as uh, Michael Jordan was in playoff time, especially during playoff crunch time, but wow, just a physical specimen everywhere else. So that's about it for me, NBA. Ernest, what do you have left for the NBA? I think we're going to see readjustment, just not in the NBA, but I think in all the major sports, revenues are down. I think the big contracts are – we're seeing a freeze out in baseball already. That's not a segue to baseball, but it sounds like it. Uh, you know, I think we're going to see an echo effect of revenues, and salary caps are going to come down. So so guys who turn down big opportunities. You know, the, the NBA, you know, we're going to see how there have been some games already canceled Football and, and to commend the NFL, it, we're going into the last week of the regular season, and none of the games have been canceled. I'm talking to you, Chris Danio. We have a bet about that, <laughs> but I think it's amazing what they've done. The other sports have all been affected. Uh, women's basketball may not finish this year. Duke women's team has already canceled their season. So I think what the NBA did with the bubble and I think what the NFL has done, I, I think we have to commend both of them and baseball to a lesser extent. Is that is that the segue to baseball, Paul? Or sure, you sure. I was going to go okay. NHL next, but we can go to baseball next. Um, I'll, okay, make it, I'll make it quick. Uh, baseball, the best, the Dodgers. you got to give it to them. They finally made it. Clayton Kershaw finally got a World Series ring. That's the best. Ding, ding, ding. That's what I had, the Clayton Kershaw redemption because just a good guy and – Anybody but the Astros this year, that was my worst. Or Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay uh, Rays taking out Blake Snell in game six. What in the world was he thinking? And then trading Blake Snell ah, to the Padres. Well, the Rays have done this, and this is how they've had their success. Is and, when a, they get value in a player, they trade them, and they get pieces, and they have never have a bad season. I mean – they got to the World Series this year. They got to Game Six, had a chance to win Game Six. They get—I mean, this—the only team that the um, the lockout, I mean, the 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 COVID didn't affect because no one attended the games to start with. Yeah, and then for Strange, I had either Tony Larusa returning despite DUIs or Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs 
handing out sanitizer at first base to Orlando or Key, I think, of Milwaukee Brewers. That was funny. not the uh, not the uh, what is it? The device that came over the field. I think it was. Uh, oh, Pirates. Ernest, you're stealing mine. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, you tell it, David. I'm not going to. Yeah, it. Pirates playing the Minnesota Twins, fourth inning uh, at Target Field of Minnesota. Got a drone stopping the ball game because this drone is just flying around the field from somewhere. We don't know where it came from. Both pitchers tried to bean the drone <laughs> in the middle of the, the, the stop-pause game uh, to, to try and do something to it. Eventually, the drone just flies away doing its own thing. Um, see you later, Flubber. Uh, and they just continued the game. And that, that, was, that was it. But definitely one of the straight like, – probably the strangest moment individually um, of the season for baseball. The strangest thing for me is I know too much about Korean baseball now. I, I know too much about KBO. And I love their championship trophy, which is like a five-foot sword that you could slay dragons with. But Oh, I uh, thought they gave the sword to the loser team. No, no, the winner gets it. They pull it out like oh, that would be know, Japanese King baseball. Arthur. Well, like King Arthur, they pull it out, and now they're the kings, I guess. Oh, the Lady yeah. of the Lake hands it to them. I don't know. I'm going to Arthurian legends now. We're in bad shape. But uh, it's, 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 it was just, again, it's the lack of fans. And I don't, I, I don't know if we're going to go back to normal. I don't think sports as we know it will be there in 2021. I'd love for it. But I have some serious doubts. But it's for not going to be worse than this year. We'll still have it on TV. We'll but, have it on TV, but kind of like nine eleven, I think this is a global event that's going to change to a certain extent our way of life. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be a downer here, so let's move on to the next sport. Well, Paul, no, sorry, NHL. Let's go NHL. No, no. Well, David, do you have anything else for the MLB? Ah. Uh, oh. Hmm. Well, the worst is probably the Boston Red Sox trading Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. Oh, trading literally the best player in baseball, you know, maybe well, behind Mike Trout, who also the worst since the Angels can't get him into the playoffs. And he's literally going to waste his entire career without ever seeing uh, the playoffs, which, or seeing him once in a sweep. Um, but tra- trading the Boston Red Sox to, or trading Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. Best player in baseball. Like, what, what are you doing, guys? What are you doing? It's paying. You're the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so that's, that's probably my worst of baseball. We can uh, move on, though. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was sort of funny this year, MLB, the uh, bullpen were in the stands. <laughs> and some of them got in trouble being in the stands as well, arguing with umpires and things. But let's move to the NHL. And I'll start with this one, then throw it to Ernest. The worst, I'll just start with the worst. For me, the worst part of the NHL season, it, it was the end of Doc Emmerich broadcasting the games. And I played hockey growing up. I grew up in Michigan, um, watched a lot of Canadian hockey, uh, Detroit Red Wing hockey. But Doc Emmerich can describe a game like nobody else. It's so smooth. You never get tired of listening to him because he changes up with different ways to describe it. And um, I just really enjoyed listening to him. And I think one of the highest compliments he could ever get was that Dan Patrick um, said that of all the people he likes to listen to, he likes to listen to Doc Emmerich call a game more than any other play-by-play call in any sport. And that's you know a, where Doc Emmerich went to went to university? Bowling Green. Bowling Green State University alum Doc. Emmerich. Wow, nice, David. David went there too. 
All right, David. I mean, sorry, Ernest, you're next. I said you'd be next for hockey. Uh, you know, he started out with the Flyers. He is just it's, and he gets to announcing, which is sports itself. I mean, we've seen Vin Scully step away the last couple of years. I'm pretty sure this is Al Michaels last year, and Doc Emmert leaving. It's, it really is transitional. I don't think you'll see announcers like that because I think the big network's going to use multiple guys because they want to be holding to one individual in that respect. But it, it really is sad. To, and again, he, he never, he sounded like he never got anything wrong. He never got rushed. It was just the perfect delivery for hockey. And he got to, uh, ESPN gave him the opportunity to do a baseball game. He's a big Pirates fan. And he did a great job. So yeah, Mike Emmerich again. But you know, the Lightning winning, uh, one of the few teams that won the President's Trophy and were able to win. The bubble, I think, worked out pretty well. Ernest, you're stealing my takes here. The bubble was just great. <laughs> it was just great hockey. It was great to, to come home, albeit in August, <laughs> but sit down and watch four games right after each other. It was just great hockey. And he got into it. It was like watching Olympic hockey. It really was. Yeah. And I think Very Paul good. brought that up back in August. And it really was true. It was, it was well played. It was good hockey. It was good officiated. Uh, the bad part is uh, we're going to miss the outdoor games this year. And I really enjoyed the outdoor games. I was going to attend one of the outdoor games this year. So, but, but uh, again, they're, they're rushing it and they're dealing with the Olympics, whether they want to still, I'd like to see hockey back in the Olympics again in, in a year, but that's again, administrative issues. You hate that when the, when the politics get into it in that respect. Definitely. And now you got the issue with all the Canadian teams, which, we're going to be playing in Canada now. They'll be playing in North Dakota or somewhere like that. And it's the semi-bubble they're trying to pull. It's just a mess. David, now that I've pulled up all your ideas. Yeah, no, it's okay. Because actually, right, we'll, let you, we'll let you do soccer first, okay? No, no, no. Like, the I'm, thing about hockey with the Tampa Bay Lightning, I don't know. I don't think you mentioned this part. But the fact that they were the number one seed, uh, the best team. Trophy. Well, yeah, they won the President's Trophy in 2018-19. Um, and were swept out of the first round of the playoffs as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, swept by the eight seed um, to come back and uh, overcome that much in the same way Virginia overcame losing to the 16 seed and uh, being the first team ever to do that and then winning the title the next year. Tampa Bay Lightning uh, stared down, you know, fate in the face and the eyes and, and said, we're going to do this. And, and to have the audacity to overcome destiny in that kind of way. Um, Sounds like you're is, writing a is, book, the audacity and, to overcome destiny. Yes. I mean, you want to talk about a title for a book. I think you got it right there. Um, just amazing, right? Just, just honestly amazing. Also the fact that Steve Eiserman built that team, built that roster left before they won a Stanley cup to come home to Detroit. Do it again, uh, Steve, do it again. But that's right. That's right. We're, we're hoping Stevie <laughs> Why? we're hoping uh, dad, any, any hockey moments? No, I think that you? wraps it up for hockey. I did enjoy it. Like Ernest was saying, but Hey, now we go to the number one sport in the world. And David Arnold, our resident soccer football fan will give us the best, the worst, the strange of what we know as soccer. All right, well, the best. Um, landing back on their perch, uh, Liverpool 
football club after 30 years in the wilderness. Um, the, the, the best football club, soccer club in Europe for the entire decade of the 80s, uh, much of the 70s and before, legendary club, uh, had their spot taken by Manchester United in the 1990s. A legendary manager, um, Mr. Ferguson, um, manager of Manchester United when he took over the job for, for Man U back in the 80s, said their goal was at the time to knock Liverpool off their perch. Uh, Perch being, you know, the number one team club in the world. Manchester United successfully did that, winning 13, 14 Premier League titles um, during a 20-year span. Uh, And Liverpool fans had to sit back and wait forever uh, to see their club come back to dominance. And, of course, Jurgen Klopp, uh, the German master worker he is, uh, manager, came in, gave Liverpool their title, They've been searching for the first title, I think, since 1989-1991, uh, since pr- before the Premier League even started, which is a whole nother conversation. But basically, their first title in three decades, um, pretty epic. Uh, pr- well, I would compare it a lot to the Boston Red Sox winning their first World Series in 2014 or 2004 um, after waiting so as long as they did. Uh, pretty comparable to that, even though it's only 30 years. Sounds like only 30 years, um, but in English soccer, much longer uh, period of time. Um, yeah, I'd say the, it's close the to the Tigers. Years. The Tigers won in 68, and then they didn't win again until 84. Yes, but the, the thing is that Liverpool essentially was the best, the most dominant in England for, for a long, long time. Like the uh, Yankees before, of, of England? Well, Manchester United are the Yankees. We're going to go with this because you got to also remember Liverpool owned by the same owners as John Henry as the Boston Red Sox. I was going to say the Cardinals. Well, the so, like the Cardinals. Well, the Cardinals win World Series uh, every few years. So, anyways, that happened. That was the best story. Um, the the goofiest, strangest is Budweiser going in with their their top notch advertising campaign. Uh, Lionel Messi scoring. Um, the most goals ever, surpassing Pele for the most goals ever scored by one player at one club. I think it was 345, 344, something like that. Comparable to Barry Bonds surpassing Hank Aaron's all-time home run record. That kind of legendary status. Lionel Messi, the most sco- most goals ever scored by one player at one club. So Budweiser and their advertising act uh, decided to send a Budweiser, one Budweiser per goal scored, to every goalkeeper that Lionel Messi had ever <laughs> scored on. So there were some goalies in the Spanish league who received 17, 18 beers. Uh, and each individual beer had the number, every beer was numbered 1 through 344. And oh, they each could beer, sell them for a lot of money. Well, can they, can they send they, them a recording of Hank Williams Jr. singing "There's a Tear in My Beer"? Actually, <laughs> Hank Williams Sr. So, 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 so each goalie had a Budweiser truck arrive at their house as part of, part of this advertising shtick, uh, and they the big Budweiser truck would unload a case or however many cases of beer, uh, and with each beer had the number on its label of whichever number goal was scored. Um, <laughs> So, so that's what they did, sending a beer to each goalie that Lionel Messi scored on uh, for his time at Barcelona. And, and they had to do it this year. It had to happen this year since he's going to be leaving at the end of this year. 
Um, not a not a happy man in Barcelona at the how, end. How rich is he down, Messi? Lionel Messi rakes in after advertising easily over a hundred million dollars a year. Him a and year. a year. He costs Barcelona over five hundred million dollars a year when when you add up everything that in his his contract, his image rights, et cetera, et cetera. Um, part of the reason Barcelona has kind of struggled in the past year or two. Uh, because he's like a, a black hole. Um, all of their money has ended up going to him. It's just so become soccer so players are the richest athletes in the world by far. I, oh, yeah. Soccer yeah. players and golf, soccer players and golfers. Uh, in the boxers, if they have, if, Mary, if they keep up the Mary, fight. Merriweather was Floyd Merriweather was when he would fight. Yes, he was usually top three or top two. So, so Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, is the top paid person right now. Um, but anyways, so so that's the best and the strangest. Uh, Liverpool going back to their perch after thirty years in the wilderness, mm-hmm. um, and then Lionel Messi scoring all those goals. All right, Ernest, do you have anything for soccer? Yeah, uh, you know, the perpetual tease that I've seen since nineteen seventy six in the Cosmos, the. Uh, young American talent that will tease us and probably lose in the opening round. Oh, actually, I mean, it's, there's been, there's been more, uh, David, I've seen this since 1976. Yeah. Uh, they're, mean, they're all, they're all training in Europe from the age of 16 now, which, which yeah, is wildly different. And, uh, yeah, I've seen that. Remember the young man, I've forgotten his name, played for Washington. Uh, Freddie Adu, who that's a whole other story. Actually, yeah, I, I mean, have I have a worse story for soccer, which we were talking about contract bargaining earlier. The MLS, opt, the MLS Players Association, opted out of their contract two years early with the MLS. So now this just happened in the past week. So now they have to renegotiate the contract Ooh. with the league, and we're staring in the face some pretty. You know, a, a huge crossroads for MLS because they've been yeah. expanding like crazy. They've been taking expansion fees like crazy. Expansion fees went from being $25 million per team back in the mid-2000s to now being over $300 million mm-hmm. per team. I mean, the expansion, the growth has been massive. Meanwhile, the players are still making like $50,000 a year, um, which is inane. For, Thanks, for, David. Thanks, because Charlotte United team was pushed back a year because of COVID, and now they're going to go on strike, and I still won't be able to see my hometown high, high soccer team. So yes. thank so, you for that. But also, you have the owner of the Salt Lake franchise, MLS, and the uh, National Women's Soccer League that said some pretty racist. Oh, uh, if we're going to talk about women's soccer league, I, I got to check yeah, out. That's, that's, that's I can only take so much to have yeah, some mercy. They did take the franchise away from it, from some misogynistic and some racist remarks uh, during the summer. But that's my soccer. Quick, quick, quick. We're running out of time. Yeah, so we're coming down to, we're just going to give, both of you, your last uh, three or four minutes each, or two or three minutes of the last story. Whatever sport you want to talk about, if it doesn't, whatever it's best, worst, or strange, whatever you feel like talking about. So, Ernest. Oh, mine's easy. Uh, Rafael Nadal, who tied uh, Roger Federer for the most Grand Slam victories, twenty this year, and most likely next year will will break that, become. Uh, statistically the greatest tennis player of all time. We've had Federer around for so long, and we've had this this golden period with Federer and, and Jovic 
and the doll, and it's going to go away eventually. And all tennis that we had beforehand, I mean, we all talk about McEnroe and Connors and, and the past history, but this is the greatest period of men's tennis ever. And it's, there will be no athletes to match what these three have done. This is not going to happen again. And I think it's kind of gone to the wayside with everything else. Jokic kind of made a fool of himself by playing without taking proper measurements and had a tournament back in his hometown and contracted COVID. And uh, Nadal has been one of those guys who's just been steadfast. And, and again, like Federer, I mean, both of them have been true gentlemen to the sport. And it's just been an honor to watch them play. And I know men's tennis doesn't rank very high that way in the sporting scene as it used to. But I, I thoroughly enjoy watching uh, the Grand Slam events and watching them play. Right. David, David, yours. All right. So uh, let me just set the scene here. Uh, moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan in the year 2002. Uh, Jim Trussell was hired that year. Um, Sweater vest. And, and so haven't really seen Michigan beat Ohio State very often. Um, twice, twice in the 18 years I've lived in the state of Michigan, um, also attended Bowling Green State University, um, my freshman hey, wait, year. Wait, wait, David, you mean I've seen Carolina win th- three national championships since you moved back. So yes. I've seen more national basketball championship teams. Salt on Carolina the wilderness. And victories you've had over Ohio State. I Ugh, just want to get yes. that. Okay. So let so let me set the scene. So the Michigan Ohio State thing hurts, cuts deep. Um, Bowling Green and Toledo are the big rivals. I attended Bowling Green State University for undergrad. Um, they won my freshman year of college, and they had not been in the University of Toledo again since, until 2019, when they finally won major upset victory. So I've seen them be uh, the rival twice in the 11 years I've been uh, a Bowling Green State University fan. Uh, also, when they beat Toledo, I was a student at Toledo uh, in law school. So, so it works both ways there. Um, so to set those scenes, you know, I've seen I've seen my team beat the rival twice in a decade, and then in 20 years. Um, now we move on to my high school, Ann Arbor Huron High School. Uh, we moved here in 2002. Um, that was the year Huron made it to the state finals. Made it to, all the way to the state finals. Also, the last time they beat our arch-rival Pioneer High School. 2002 was the last time the Huron River Rats beat the Pioneer Pioneers. Um, Two totally ridiculous nicknames uh, for high schools, but 2002 was the last time. In fact, the Huron River Rats had not won a high school football game in five years leading up to 2020. Five years. Desolate program. They almost didn't have enough players to have a football season each of the last four years, right? They're, they're play- and this is one of the largest high schools in Michigan. There's nothing of a football program. Um, this year, by miraculous happenings, in the first game of the season, Huron wins their first football game over the Pioneer Pioneers. For season opener, they beat them 9-6. to 9-6, to six, Ernest. Huron beats Pioneer. 9-6. to six. What happens after that? COVID outbreak on both sides. Both teams <laughs> missed the next five weeks of football. Yeah. Was it worth it? Yes. Um, Huron miraculously makes the state playoffs with two victories on the year because that's just how insane this football season has been. They win their first playoff game since 2002. 
after only winning two games during the season. So there you have it, the Huron River Rats beating their rival, me getting to enjoy a rivalry victory uh, fully for the first time in what, 20 years, um, and then them also making the state playoffs with two victories and winning their first round game, um, securing a three-win season for the first time since 2013. My Huron River Rats. All that and, being said, there's hope, America. There's hope. If the Rats if the can win, rats can oh, five, five years there's always hope. Look how we've adjusted this year. I mean, and nothing else. We can complain about 2020, and we will from here on out. I mean, even the people in the dark ages are going, guys, let it down. Let it you know, back off a little bit. We adjust and we adapt. We had football. We had basketball. We had hockey. We had high school sports. We had college sports. We had professional Americans adapt. We may not like it. We may not complain, but we adapt. And whatever 2021 brings us, we will adapt to that also. And the last story that I get to share is just an offbeat story. It just made me laugh. It made me smile. I enjoyed it so much. The first part of the story is Charles Barkley is doing color commentary for a, a golf match. Yes, I said a golf match. You probably watched it. Tom Brady got to play golf, and he right before... He made his wedge shot that went into the hole. Charles Charles Barkley was giving him hassle, and after he made the shot, he told Charles Barkley basically to suck it, but a little bit more than that. Uh, so Charles Barkley, who has the infamous bad swing, the yips of all yips, uh, they did a whole series with Hank Caney about how bad his golf swing was, and so they decided to put Charles Barkley with Phil Mickelson to play Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. And I'm thinking, oh, this is a train wreck, but I want to watch it. And I was all set to watch it, and then I was busy. I had to work, and I couldn't watch it. I was so bummed. And then I look on my phone, and lo and behold, a 2020 miracle. Charles Barkley wins. He plays well. And even Dan Patrick had him on earlier in the year, and he said, you know, Charles Barkley has broken 80 before. Charles Barkley has had a good game if he can get his head straight. And he did it. And so that made me smile. If That gives me hope. If Charles Barkley can play good golf again, folks, 2021 is going to be a good year. So for my co-hosts, Ernest and David, I thank you for listening. Email me with your questions or comments or ideas for our podcast for 2021. Maybe we'll even have another guest co-host. It's happened before. It might happen again. So thanks for listening, and have a good night. <laughs>